Kristen Rawls. And I'm Jeff Eaton. This is Christian Rankcast. It's a podcast where we explain and contextualize the movements and the personalities and the ideologies that make up the Christian right in America uh, to give some background and some better context for the the current state we find ourselves in culturally with, uh, uh, you know, more more movement towards authoritarianism and a Christian right that seems to have directly aligned itself with those movements. Um, so hi everybody um we uh we we were on a bit of a hiatus in in part due to uh some some uh, chaotic life events that were going on on my side and i want to thank everybody kristen especially for uh patience during that but um we uh we do have a a nice announcement uh before we get into our our usual parade of uh (laughs) grim ideological and (laughs) theological deconstruction Uh um We've uh, joined. We, we've joined the uh, Flux Network. Uh, it's small, small, but a pretty cool uh, podcast and uh, news network. Um, alongside podcasts like uh, uh, Alex uh, Zetarian's "Candidly Human" and Matthew Sheffield's "Theory of Change," and uh, you can find uh, more about uh, Flux and uh, all the other stuff that's going on there at flux.community. Um, but second, we uh, we we definitely want to put a content warning on this episode um, because it's about some fairly dark stuff that um, came up in the news um, after our previous episode. And um, a number of listeners wanted to, you know, they reached out and, you know, asked about some context for it. And it turned out to dovetail in some unexpected and fairly depressing ways with the reconstructionist themes that we've been covering in the series and general, like, um, evangelical and Christian culture themes. And, you know, what started out as sort of an aside in, you know, in our series on Christian reconstructionism, this has turned into a, a fairly, a fairly hefty episode digging into some troubling aspects of, you know, Christian purity culture and also um, the culture of, you know, shielding and protecting uh, sexual abusers too. Um, and, that's what this is about, in particular, focusing on a couple of specific organizations that have been noteworthy in the news. Um, I'll I'll turn it over to Kristen, who's done a lot of the a lot of the heavy lifting and digging on the um, uh, on this uh, to to let her sort of <laughs> run, well, run with this. And I also, I will be I'll be talking about child sex abuse within the uh, the Gothard um, organization with that. Um, the Duggar family uh, is, is their members in. So, um, so just, we, we are very serious. I think it's been a sort of a difficult uh, episode for us both to, to re- uh, research and, and pretty dark. Um, we were departing formally from the series on Christian reconstructionism, which we'll kind of get back to with a little bit of a lighter episode next time. Um uh so in light of the with, with the caveat that it's what passes for a lighter episode <laughs> in here for us yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah um so in light of the news that josh duggar the eldest son of jim bob and michelle duggar of 19 kids and counting fame was arrested for receiving and possessing child sexual abuse or exploit eh, exploitation materials we thought it would be a good idea to address 
the place the the Duggars inhabit within the world of Christian homeschooling, as well as what we know about the organization the family is involved with in particular. Um, this The focus of the first half of this episode is on child sexual abuse and exploitation uh, in the homeschooling program the Duggars use. So... Um, We'll be dis- we'll be talking about disturbing material in some detail, so please keep that in mind as you listen. And um, f- honestly, feel free to turn us off if you're not in a place to listen to this right now. It is really, really troubling and was hard for us both to look into. I think, um, and that's one reason I think that we took so long to to pull this one together. It just, um, it's, it's just so upsetting to, to look at this, at institutionalized child sexual abuse. Um, so <clears throat> I am having some really horrible allergies, um, which are affecting my hearing apparently right now. So I'm going to, so just in time for COVID vaccinations, yeah. <laughs> allergy season. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I want to say that I'm not uh, an expert on Bill Gothard or his organization, Institute and Basic Life Principles, and there is no real, um, authoritative biography of Bill Gothard or academic look at his life or the, the work he's done or his, his organization. So this was hard for me to piece together. Like, um, I did find out he has some, both some, uh, new thought and some, um, and some reconstructionist influences. Like he was, uh, he, he, he would say that some of his favorite books were these, the same kinds of books that influenced Norman Vincent Peale. Um, and, and if you, and if you look into his teachings, like there is this sense that if you do the right things and if you follow the correct rules, that that nothing bad will happen to you. It's a very very, it's very sort of new thought and orientation, but it also melds with a lot of Reconstructionist ideas in a really strange way. Um, is it sort of like a different causative mechanism is offered? But like the same fundamental dynamic is put forward. Like, yes, it's not the power of your mind. It's God's blessing. But still. Yeah. And it's in the power of Satan. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And it's like if you um, if you step outside your God ordained authority um, and you, then you are, rem- then the hedge of protection that God holds o- over you to, and which, which, you know, ensures your protection from evil, you, bad things will happen to you and it's kind of your fault. So it's sort of like there's this horrifying Satan controlled world full of terrible things that will happen to you. Mm-hmm. God can put this protective umbrella over you yeah. and you're living a life of purity and righteousness keeps you under that umbrella. Yeah. And, and just to provide some context, like Gothard is like a 
Christian minister, speaker, writer, and he founded what was something called the Institute for Basic Life Principles, right? Yes. And okay. it's uh, it's homeschooling organization, which is a part of that, of which which is sort of popularly referred to as IVLP. It's called the uh, Advanced Training Institute, formerly the Advanced Training Institute of America. Um, now it's called ATI. Um and um, so, and, and what we're gonna so what we're gonna kind of focus on here is um, Bill Gothard was removed from the organization in 2014 when more than 30 now adult women, uh, some minors at the time, they reported being abused were uh, they 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 reported. Uh, sexual abuse or sexual harassment uh, involving either usually him his brother was was removed from the organization for sexual assault uh, decades earlier i think um but but it seemed so so it it was kind of endemic in the institution and kind of known that he was a sexual predator um how exactly that played out was seems like it's fairly unclear but to the extent that it was enough for them to remove yeah. him from the organization he helped found. Yeah. And over a few years, this organization, which is an evangelical organization called recovering grace pulled together a number of women who had been abused e either by Gothard or by someone in the organization who could point to some systemic and institutional ways in which the organization had had um, had facilitated their abuse and uh, and started to publicize these things? Um, I want to say the organization Recovering Grace did an important thing, but it also made researching this organ this this problem very hard because it's an evangelical organization which means that it conflates things like rape with sin instead of instead of calling them a crime so it's not often very clear about the things that we're talking that that, that are being discussed like the the actual abuses that occurred it really obfuscates what was what actually went on and 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 although we know there is there was at least one rape allegation involving bill gothard and another person involved in the organization um it's hard to say exactly what happened because this organization does not give a lot of details. It seems that a lot of what was going on was um, was sexual harassment and um, with uh, things like Gothard doing things like exposing his erections um, or um, while, while he was in counseling sessions with young women or um, like uh let me guess he he wasn't a he wasn't actually a certified like there was no there was no, <laughs> no. board certification process no. to be no, revoked, no, 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 right no. he was just okay yeah I he does just have a thought master, i'd ask yeah he has a master's of divinity from wheaton college um <sighs> but but um yeah uh and and his influences are kind of uh disparate like i do want to say a little more about them um he's and and I just, yeah. I, I apologize. I just want to like, no, 
Gothard is a very well-known name in in like evangelical and fundamentalist circles, especially right. amongst anybody who's like been involved in homeschooling. Like I, I, I knew, I knew all about Gothard as like a figure. You know, there was curriculum that you know his organization put out, and even though like he's at least in my experience, he was regarded as like one of the sort of out there fundamentalist types, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the descriptions of him were, he's very quote legalistic or, right. you know, something like that, rather than there being any fundamental critique of what he taught. It was mm-hmm. sort of a, he seems very extreme yeah, and you just move on sort of a thing, but right. he was very well known and, and very influential through mm-hmm. that kind of work. Yeah. Um, so he seems to have, like, in addition to the new thought kind of, and, and when I say, I don't mean like classics of new thought. I'm talking about like the early business success manuals where like, if you do all these right things, you will have prosperity. So the same kinds of things that uh, affect that kind of inspired the prosperity gospel and also Norman Vincent Peale are kind of in play here. Um and in addition to that, so again, these things are very, very hard to pin down because there is no academic study of this. And IBLP is an extremely secretive organization. It's not like it's not like the Chalcedon uh, Institute where uh, they they're you know they have published um, everything Rushduni ever said for the public where you can just go and find things. It's not nearly as easy to research because they are very secretive um, and and kind of paranoid about the outside world. They've been called a cult. Uh, I would say, you know, there there's some merit to that. Um, although that's not a word we really throw around in, in, uh, in, in this podcast a lot. Um, but again, so there- in, in, in part, because, what it means to different groups covers a pretty wide gamut. Um, right. But like from in, in terms of like isolation and mm-hmm. authoritarian, you know, vesting of power in, in you know, in, in an individual and, um, you know, the, the degree of control it tries to exercise over people's lives. Those are all there in spades. Yeah. In the case of this group, um, I don't really have enough evidence to say that it was set up to facilitate uh, Gothard's attraction to minor girls. But when I go through some of the materials that they they published for their community on sexual abuse, it it becomes very hard to not to be suspicious that that is the case and. Um, and, and there are a lot of little rules that definitely, um, are not standard within evangelicalism or any kind of mainstream evangelicalism. Like, like behavioral rules for staying pure or whatever that are there in, in Gothard's organization. Well, girls are taught that they need to have long hair and to have soft curls. And that is Uh, understood as, you know being about what Bill Gothard found attractive in women. Um, so things like that, the way that people are taught to dress. That ah, kind of so it, it's, 
Okay. Yep. All yeah, right. and that's when you when you start hearing the word cult a little more. When when there are just sort of bizarre things like that going on that you don't really see in any other kind of evangelical organization, and that. Uh, like there may be a lot of dysfunction, but nobody's like telling women you should have a very specific look that the founder thinks is ideal femininity. Exactly. So, um, yeah. So, um, so that's why I think the word cult is a little more applicable here than in what we've discussed so far. But you, we, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. Um, and I, so like I said, it was hard to pin down all the influences and I haven't because there is no authoritative text I could go to about this and it's hard to get access to some of the materials. Um, but so we, we knew that New Thought was one. Uh, Gothard, although he went to Wheaton for his Masters of Divinity, he does seem to have some fun, independent fundamental Baptist influences as well as um, certain, um, he's got some uh, beliefs about spiritual warfare and the demonic that go kind of with, um, with like charismatic Christianity. Like he believes that like little individual, like inanimate objects could be uh, possessed by demons and stuff like that. That's one thing I remember from. It explains a lot of Wi-Fi troubleshooting, but I don't <laughs> feel like it's yeah. Probably it, not really. It, and I think that, like, in some ways, Gothard feels like he's very extreme in some ways, but he's almost a prototypical example of like the 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 like mutt quality of a lot of the ideological yes. cross-pollination that occurs yes. here where, you know, view. almost any group could find something to point out and say, ah, oh, no, we disagree with him on X because, oh, sure. you know, yeah. but he's at the intersection of all of these different threads and mm -hmm. whether or not he's welcomed wholeheartedly his, Yes, yeah. his writing and the curriculum in particular that he has put out via his organization has been very broadly used in a number of different like sub communities in like the yeah. religious right and evangelical and fundamentalist right. movements in part because of that cross pollination mm -hmm. quality. Absolutely. And it's, um, and it's not just curriculum for kids. It's like, there's, you know, the men's manual volume one and volume two, mm -hmm. literally how to be a man and, yep. you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And there are also some very clear uh, reconstructionist influences and, the the um, expert in in reconstructionism, Julie Ingersoll, actually told me that Gothard and R. J. Rush Dooney were in talks to make the Institutes of Biblical Law, that's Rush Dooney's magnum opus, um, uh, a required text for ATI, the homeschooling program, and it. Uh, ultimately stalled and they had a falling out because Rush Dooney was divorced and remarried. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, but like it, it's when it's yeah. The, the irony, but right. And, and so, so, but that's the true. So they didn't make that one of the text, but there are some, um, uh, 
some definite reconstructionist thought, you know, there's some of the thought is, is, is woven throughout the teachings, uh, particularly about dominion and taking dominion over every aspect of life as the, that being the duty of Christians. Uh, and also, um, you know, Gothard may have come to this apart from Rushduni, but very uh, strict, you know, gender essentialism and complementarianism, you know, which which is the, the fundamentalist ideology in which wives are to submit to husbands um, who are understood as the head of the household and the spiritual heads of their families and um, and so a, a lot of the thinking goes hand in hand with reconstructionism, whether or not people in the movement realize that. And, and, and many don't because, because, because he specifically is not cited in their teaching because of the divorce thing. So, and, and I think <laughs> we're going to get into this a little bit later when we start talking about like how some of these threads contribute to what's been termed purity culture in like the, you know, evangelical and fundamentalist movement. But one of the other significant things in Gothard's teaching, like his, you know, core basic life principles that he teaches is that basically that you are not the owner of anything, even of yourself, but or of the body, yeah. It's, it's God's. God owns your body. He owns your possessions. He owns your car, your toys, or whatever. That like all of it is rightly his, and that we are simply mm-hmm. like caretakers of it. And that's language that you can also find in things like, you know, Christian environmentalism movements, mm-hmm. you know, that nature isn't ours to exploit, it's we're caretakers or whatever. But it's taken to a very there's a very specific angle on this in which as we'll see, one of the ways that it plays out is essentially stripping the concept of any kind of meaningful consent as yeah. as an aspect of you know either human sexuality or or any part of you know human experience. It strips that away and turns it into a question of theology. Yeah, and that's in their teaching materials, which we're gonna, yeah we're going to talk about a little bit. Um, but um, first, I wanted to talk a little bit about some experience that I have with um, IBLP, the Institute in Basic Life Principles, um, because I think it illustrates that something that I found when I just put some questions out on Twitter, um, I was not raised in ATI, I was not homeschooled, but the fundamentalist homeschooling family that I grew up very close to um, and who we talked about in an episode in which I was um, processing news that the eldest son in that family, who was then a, a police officer, had been outed at, uh, for trying to organize violently with the Proud Boys and then um, subsequently fired. Um, bef- they sort of got me into a Bill Gothard seminar um, before all this, this craziness, uh, back in the mid nineties, I would I think I was either 14 or 15, I think. Um, that is a hell of a time to go to a Gothard conference. Yeah. It is. So I mean, that I say that in like in, in a terrible way. It's, yeah. 
So that family invited me to the IBLP Basic Life Principles Seminar, which is a one-week program where you go and listen to Bill Gothard give talks about how to live as a Christian. Um, uh, and I would say one of the major tor- turning points in that family's uh, radicalization was attending one of these seminars. Um, they spoke a lot about how they had been, quote, nominal Christians before it. So um, they invited me to attend another seminar with them. Um, this family had, I, I would say, substantially more money than mine. Um, we couldn't, we didn't have like the $500 laying around for me to go. Uh, and that was the cost around 1994, 1994, and so they covered the cost for me. So I went to Northern Virginia and I stayed with them for that week. And I took in all the the right-wing propaganda. I want to say it was a time when my family was going through a pretty chaotic period. Um, And although I know now that a lot of the children raised in this family have had some real struggles in in contemporary life, um, at the time it seemed like they were the perfect family when when I was there staying alone around them. They didn't fight in front of me. They seemed really happy together. Um, Now I think this was all kind of a performance, but um, like for my benefit, right? But uh, because I think I was being, uh, I think I was being brought into the fold. Um, but um, so at the time, they sang in these harmonies with each other. They wrote songs together. And all of them were engaged in really very impressive artistic pursuits. Like, in addition to music, a couple of them did artwork, like painting and beautiful pastel drawings. And so at the time, all this seemed really attractive to me, Um my family did not get along like this. And like, we all practiced a much, much more permissive liberal type of evangelicalism. So I thought because I was a stupid child, <laughs> maybe there's I, something to it. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I know that you like, you understand this yeah. in retrospect, but like, it's, when people are looking for answers mm-hmm. <laughs> to stuff, yeah, like you know, it it takes a lot of work to deconstruct what appears, what what seems to be present a perfect answer, yeah, to questions yeah. about a, the difficulties of life. Exactly. Um, I would say Gothard as a person was not as impressive to me. Like he wasn't even there for the seminar, but like taped recordings of his talks were shown over large television screens. And I could not believe this cost $500 to to attend. Um, So there were some like kind of crazy beliefs I taught that, that I heard him there. Like, inanimate objects that can be possessed by demons. And he taught that rock music and contemporary music generally caused demonic possession. Um, He he was very much one of those like evil beats 
guys. Yeah, yeah. So we were given this boring cassette tape with instrumental hymn music that was considered acceptable. And it was like what you would hear. Like it was like elevator music at Chick-fil-A, kind of like you it know was what? <laughs> exactly what the kids were all super jazzed about in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Um the cre- the the critique of rock music was fundamentally racist. He taught that it was addictive uh because of a so-called African voodoo beat that could summon evil spirits. <laughs> so huh. yeah, yeah. Ultimately, finding its culmination in um, Old Town Road. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Obedience to authority was a major theme, and authority was strictly gendered. So the father was the head of the household, and wives and children were to practice strict submission to the father. Uh, Women's modesty was stressed, and women and girls were expected to wear long skirts all the time. courtship was preached um as a young teenager i heard these like this simplistic gender breakdown as an explanation of why my family was in such chaos and it made sense to me (laughs) i you know a lot of things make sense when somebody who seems like they've got their stuff together offers an explanation you know yeah and your prefrontal cortex is still forming so there's that too for like about a year and a half after that i wore long skirts in high school um i i actually did that uh and i bought in thinking okay this is why my family isn't happy if we just followed these Mm -hmm. rules things would be different um I am uh, so embarrassed now that I found this believable as a teenager, but um, if I, it's any consolation, that's exactly the time period in which I thought my mullet was super cool. <laughs> um, I didn't fall for the music stuff, and I could tell the the like the African voodoo beat thing was racist, but I did think, okay, so maybe this other family gets along better because they follow these rules and we don't. Um, And one thing I do want to stress, even back then, the people who took me to this thing and who tried to sell me on it knew that Gothard was a predator. Uh, They, they had, that that feels, that feels like a record scratch moment. Yeah. The the way they, a huge part of his conferences were about purity. Yeah. Yeah. But um, the oldest daughter in that family told me that they didn't personally use the ATI curriculum because they found it creepy that Gothard surrounded himself with young teenage girls at the IBLP Center in Oak Brook, Illinois. Um, They told me that he had weird beliefs about dress and that he seemed to instruct young girls to dress and conduct themselves like not according to any kind of uh, religious standard, but according to what Gothard himself found attractive. Um, They told me about the soft curls thing. Um, I, and, and they talked about Gothard having a physical type in like in minor teen girls. Um, I don't know if they knew that rape and sexual abuse allegations would later come up. I don't think they did. Um, but they definitely knew he was a creep. And like, when you're trying to get a 
kid involved in something that, I mean, that's a good reason not to, right? Well, I think, you know, in, just in our conversations leading up to this episode, I think, you know, we're going to dig into some of the mechanics of why later, but right. it, it's a, I think it's a good example of how this culture, you know, one of the significant problems, and it's not exclusive to this culture by any means, yeah. but that that reasonable concerns about a leader, an authority figure like that would be dealt with as like, a, oh, well, you know, you take a kid to their conferences and you tell them, you know, you tell them to follow all his instructions, but also you just kind of warn him on the side, you know, he's also creepy. Like that, that there wouldn't be any kind of questioning of the dynamic that's going on or, you know, accountability for a person in a leadership position like that, but rather that it's just, you know, you keep the, you, you keep the power structure intact, but you just kind of warn some folks off. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, they had family friends at the time who used this ATI curriculum and, um, there was this assumption that I picked up on then, uh, and I'm not always that good at picking up on social cues, but I picked up on this. So it was pretty explicit, um, that, um, that, that one of the girls was made, was, I'm not going to say being groomed, but definitely being, um, kind of uh, handpicked to come and work for Gothard. Favored with exclusive attention. Yeah. Um, And she had been a pen pal of mine for like a couple years. And um, and she went in and she did go and work for him. And I don't know what happened to her. Um, I don't. I've like I've looked for her on Facebook and things like that. But like she got married, I think. And I don't know the name of the the person she married. So, um, so that like, there was this explicit assumption that she was kind of in danger and like this family still thought it was important for me to personally attend this seminar and learn from it, knowing it was a creep and suspecting it was a sexual predator. And like, these aren't just things that floated around as rumors. Like, you know, the, the IBLP, you know, in 2014, you know, apparently brought in outside legal counsel and said there was no criminal activity, but he was, quote, inappropriate Mm -hmm. and was no longer permitted to, you know, counsel, lead, or have any kind of board role in their ministry. And in 2016, a group of, you know, alleged victims, you know, sued him um, and ultimately settled due to some statute of limitations stuff, but said Mm -hmm. they were not recanting any of their claims. It's not like rumors that were floating around correct and now it, it, it was then in the mid-1990s yes. um yeah. unless they knew more than they were saying but it, there was it was sort of understood like and and i spoke with some people who i who were raised in ati who who also told me you know like they would they would talk about young girls like teen girls being gothard's um you know, physical type, but it was sort of assumed that, that, um, that, that were, those were jokes. And what they meant by that was thin white girls with long hair, light Brown kind of in wavy and, you know, a lot like the way the Duggar girls dressed 
and looked. Um, and, and in a lot of ways, that sort of emerges as like the like the quiverful slash mm-hmm. like courtship extreme yeah. like extreme purity movement like look yeah of a particular generation in like the homeschooling movement too yeah 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 for sure but but it was i would say it was specifically an ati look and Mm -hmm. um i because just because i knew a lot of homeschooled kids growing up and everybody in ati was going for that look um like yeah i was involved in this thing called christian youth theater and they definitely like there were several ati families there and they were all like trying to look like that and curling their hair and um and then like um another somebody else who grew up in the in ati told me like in the late 80s that he definitely heard some of the rumors that they like pretty much these rumors have been surrounding, they have been swirling around Gothard for decades. Um, and, and it took until the, the, like the 2014 for it to really come out. But, um, yeah. Um, so, so there's this assumption in these radicalized evangelical circles that like, the message is more important than the person who delivers it. So even if Gothard is an abuser, it was assumed that it's okay to take a young girl to learn from him. Cause right. So yeah. And, and again, there's a theme underlying that, that is sort of in the, in part two of this that we're going to be talking about of, of, of flattening, genuinely predatory behavior into being quote sit yeah or failing in some way you know like there's you know well we all have the high standard of christ to live up to and we all fall short which yeah while there's a degree of theological you know soundness to that in general terms effectively it ends up flattening a, a staggering range of human experience behaviors and yeah. you know activities to oh well you know mm-hmm. he fell short in mm-hmm. some fashion mm-hmm. and we move yeah. on yeah yeah or you know he he's a man of god who was tempted who's like the devil worked extra hard to tempt him so um so even though everybody did whisper about this um Families in ATI, and I want to say these are families who are against girls going to college, generally speaking, um, who force their daughters, which is what the Duggars have done, to live at home with their parents until they get married. Um, So, And if somebody's curious about that, like conceptually, that falls under this umbrella of like uh, a, a, a woman is essentially under the headship of, a of man. her father when she's a child yeah. because god you know the, her uh, the father is sort of the the represent the, the pass through authority figure for god until the time that she's married in which time her husband becomes that mm-hmm. which means that you should be living at home and mm-hmm. helping your family right yes. until the moment you get married and then yeah 
So the daughter is like the property of the father and then until the marriage when she becomes the property of the husband. So um, this is kind of popularly called the shelter of the daughters movement, um, you know, in which girls are expected to live at home until they go through the courtship process and get hetero married um, uh, and, and, and never really live on their own. Um, and these parents would send te minor teenage daughters handpicked by Gothard to go and work for him anyway. Like girls who were not allowed to do anything on their own and who never had. Um, it's diabolical. Um, like people who worked for ATI jokingly referred to this group of very young, attractive girls he surrounded himself with as Bill's harem. Um, so, I mean, the parents would have heard this and they, so they knew this. Um, uh, it, it, it really resembles kind of the life Jeffrey Epstein had, like who he, he knew he, he sort of organized his entire life to make to, to make young girls accessible to himself. And and to be clear, you know, the <laughs> the idea there isn't that there was some sort of like Epstein-esque like trafficking system no. or whatever, but rather that there was this totalizing lifestyle that had been created that one of the convenient consequences of that, both, you know, in terms of the ideology that he taught people that they should follow and what the standards of purity were that everyone should adhere to and what the yeah. ideals of femininity were, they conveniently coincided to have a large crowd of young women that fit mm -hmm. his preferred type. Yeah. Always present. Well... And I, I don't know if, if there was trafficking, but there may have been, um, uh, it, it's sort of understood that people had confided in Bill that his brother that had, was a rapist and he was still going, he was still sending young girls to go and live around him and work for him. So it's not just Bill, but it was also his brother who was under who was known as a predator. I feel like I just need to stop offering caveats ever <laughs> on this show because I feel like every time I'm like, no, to be clear, uh, the other shoe drops immediately. So right, I, right, okay. <laughs> yeah, and I probably it. wouldn't have even pointed that out unless you had you had said it. But yeah, so um. So yeah, it was sort of understood that he was supplying girls to his brother, who who was fired from the organization many many years before Bill was. Um, so um, so when Josh Duggar confessed to molesting five minor girls, including four of his own sisters, his family and, said, and that was a number of years ago, right? Right. He was. Um, I think he was fourteen years old. It was. Um, how <sighs> he's 32 now is about uh this is about 17 years ago roughly um they shaved his head as punishment and um didn't send him to like a, a real counselor which is kind of what you need to do when a child confesses to an offense like this Could that you, seems like a gross understatement like well it's just 
it's understood that you can turn somebody around and like, and really they, they don't have to be an offender for life when they're that age. Um, and it, whereas you really get, once you have like an adult pedophile who is a who has offended, they're kind of like, it's kind of baked in. It's going to be much harder to turn their life around. Right. Mm -hmm. But they didn't send him to get any real help. They sent him to an ATI training camp. Um, and, and in addition, if I remember correctly, like they had a friend of the family who was a police officer. Yes. Like give him a scared straight talk about how bad it would be if he didn't turn around. And that police officer is now serving several decades in prison for possessing child pornography. So yeah. yeah. So great, great job choosing who to give the scared straight talk. Right. So, um, so he went to that training camp and it was mostly a work camp. He didn't really get any real counseling maybe ever. Um, so, um, and if I knew about it, I was not even in ATI. If I knew that Bill Gossard was a creep by like 1994, um, I feel like you, you, the Duggars must have heard about it. Um, and uh, cause, because everybody heard about it. Everybody was and, and like the Duggar family was, closely connected with, yes. you know, Gothard's church. It, yes. it wasn't just a, a sort of moves in the same circles kind of a thing. Well, I want to say it's not a church. It's like an evangelistic uh, organization and a homeschooling program sorry, and curriculum. Yeah, but yeah, they were, they were, they used the ATI curriculum. They knew Gothard. They, I mean, they, were the most involved public faces. Uh, uh, and, and, and Gothard has a number of celebrity like champions, everybody from like Rick Perry to Mike Huckabee, Mike Huckabee is a, is one of the most well-known ones. Um, and so um, the, and, and like, I know Huckabee is even at, at different points, even talked about how like ATI curriculum ought to be used in public schools mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And ATI. Because it's taught about good character, et cetera, et cetera. It is. Yeah. And they, uh, they actually have, have, um, have like sort of put a sort of a secular, uh, like a secular form of Gothard teachings into public schools called character education. So, mm -hmm. which I sort of saw the beginning of when I was in school, like they had to start talking about character trait, like good, like big building good character and what, and, and it, but that all came from Bill Gothard. Um, so, um, yeah. So um, the, the Duggars are, are members of ATI. Uh, and let's see um the, the 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 so the ATI curriculum it's made up of these like 54 wisdom booklets which are uh, even in homeschooling curriculum like among christian conservative curriculums they're considered like not rigorous and a like a kind of a weak education would you say i it was very weird. <laughs> like, 
the perception was the perception I recall. And again, like late eighties, early nineties was when I was homeschooled. Yeah. Um, so it's like a, a moment in time, not necessarily, you know, eternal, but the perception of Gothard's stuff was that, yeah, you know, you, you, if you did like Gothard's stuff, you wanted to sort of leaven your good history books and your math books and stuff like that with ATI stuff so that the good me- the message about good character could get through not this is your curriculum like yeah. it was very very much about his idiosyncratic take on like what the elements of you know good character were and mm-hmm. how to build that and there was lots of material on that subject but it wasn't particularly rigorous beyond that. Mm-hmm. So the popularity of it in when people talked about it as curriculum was almost exclusively related to like conversations with people who were like very insistent that, you know, the problem with modern education is that it doesn't talk about the basics and what we need to teach kids is just, you know, some good basic arithmetic and right. good character. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. So, yeah, it was, it is, it's not a very academic. Um, so in 2014, when Bill Gothard was 81 years old, he retired from ATI and IBLP when more than the more than 30 women came forward and accused him of sexually harassing and abusing them during their work with him. Uh, some were minors, and the abuse described dates back to the 1990s. So, when I would have been hearing about the, the possibility of it, uh, in January of 2016, 10 women accused Bill Gothard in a civil lawsuit of grooming, sexually harassing, and sexually assaulting them. Uh, in the lawsuit, one woman said she had been raped as a teenager both by Bill Gothard as well as by another of ATI's biblical counselors. Um, So like you said, people without any kind of counseling, training, or expertise who signed onto the strict ATI guidelines, she said she was either 17 or 18 at the time when the rapes happened. She wasn't able to pinpoint her exact age. Um, And in response to the allegations, Gothard told the journalist uh, Sarah Pulliam Bailey, that he had never touched a girl sexually and that he was shocked to even hear that. Uh, he did admit to committing sin with the girls in a letter he wrote to them, which said, I was very wrong in holding hands, giving hugs, and touching their hair and feet. Okay, well, we're just going to put a pin in a creepy list of details right there, but right. Right. Um, yeah. But like, again, this is that theme of like the distinctions between being a normal person with like a reasonable experience of human desire or interest to being somebody who is behaving in like an objectifying manner to like, creepy predatory and abusive behavior to like actual law breaking like that's a there's a wide spectrum of behaviors that lots of things could fall into but they're collapsed to oh well i sinned 
Yeah. And it's important to recognize that, like, in the framework that he teaches, like, that is a, the spectrum of I sinned includes, like, grooming 14-year-olds mm-hmm. and lingering over the swimsuit section of the Sears catalog. Yeah. Like, yeah. same same umbrella to describe them all. And the argument is that, oh, well, this is, this, this is, that's an example of just how seriously they take things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the actual outcome is that profoundly dangerous predatory behavior and abuse gets lumped in with this sort of euphemistic conversation about falling short and wanting to get better mm-hmm. that, all of these things fall under it. It's deeply yeah. troubling. <laughs> so I wanted to go through um, uh, the Gothards were, I mean, sorry, the Duggars were not the only people who were dealing with a teenager um, committing abuse in, in, you know, in the, in, during that time, this was sort of like, it happened more than once in ATI circles, uh, enough that they wrote specific teaching materials about it. Um, and when I say it feels like this was an organization um, that was set up to facilitate the abuse of girls specifically, I I think we should we should look a little bit at the materials they used. Um, and like to be clear, this is like these are materials that were considered authoritative mm-hmm. moral guidance yeah. on how to deal with troubling life circumstances. Right. Yeah. So um, there's one document that was passed out internally, which was not meant to be public um, in which a teenager had also, another teenager had confessed to molesting his sisters. Um, and he, um, he talked about like his basically his alleged it, it, maybe it was his his testimony as a kid uh, was was sort of included with no real explanation but he was like and he was clearly drawing from the teachings he had been brought up with right so he was like you know my my little sisters didn't really he was clearly talking about his toddler sisters like he was saying they did they weren't they didn't understand about being modest and showing their bodies they were free with their bodies because like little toddlers do run around after the like it's normal and it's expected that you're not going to sexualize them cuz you're not a predator you know yeah. um and so and so he 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 talked about that and so like it's because his mother failed to teach them modesty when they were very little that that he offended and it, it the the ripple effect you know the implication of that is while he may have sinned he was also sinned against by the creation of this environment in which he should never have had to contend with that terrible temptation that resulted in him molesting his sister. Yeah. In this material, like boys and men are really understood to be like sex monsters who have no control over their sexual impulses. And, um, and it's sort of understood as the job of, of, um, 
women to like to be very specific about what they wear and how they dress so that they never call like the word, the terminology is like cause a brother to stumble. Right. And, and that, I mean like the, the most radical of like 19 mid seventies feminist has nothing on the really profoundly low view of men mm-hmm. <laughs> as a group yeah. that, is baked into this. Right. So, um, so in, uh, in 2016, the website homeschoolers anonymous, um, and I really think that the writer RL Stoller was a a kind of a leader in, in, uh, compiling information about this. I want to really, um, recommend him as, as one of the most important sources to me in trying to learn about this movement. Um, they obtained a document and published it called um, Why Did God Allow a Four-Year-Old Boy to Be Molested by a 15-Year-Old Neighbor? Which is a hell of a uh, headline. Yeah. And this was a teaching material uh, like responding to a specific case by a boy raised in ATI. Um, so... And... and, and- before this is read, I, I think it's also important to like keep in mind what's being said here is not a deviation from Gothard's teaching. Like no, core parts of his like good character teaching are the idea that like suffering is a way for people to find out blind spots in their own life of mm-hmm. places they can improve. So if someone, you know, abuses you, it's an opportunity for you to learn how to grow. And, yeah. you know, like there, there's a huge swath of teaching and different aspects of what he describes as character mm-hmm. that are fundamentally about, uh, you know, if somebody does something terrible to you, well, aren't we all to blame in a way how can we learn and move on? Yeah. Yeah. And this is how it plays out. Yes. In this case. Yeah. So the first reason given for why God allowed the four-year-old to be molested was, uh, quote, to teach him his responsibility to cry out to God. Uh, It goes on. In our fallen world, with all its evil men and women, there will be attacks by a stronger upon a weaker. When this happens, the law of God, you hear the uh, Reconstructionist influence there when it talks about the law of God. And I want to be clear, um, it's uh, understood that Bill Gothard either wrote all of these materials or they were written under his guidance uh, in micromanagement. He was uh, he, he, he was the one who, uh, provided all the teachings, uh, which is another reason it's a, it's sort of sometimes referred to as a cult. Uh, so anyway, the law of God is very clear that the weaker must cry out for help or he will be equally guilty. Um, when a victim does not cry out or immediately, and, and victim is in scare quotes here, uh, does not cry out or immediately tell his authority he will carry around a sense of guilt, which uh, Satan will then use for condemnation and further defeat. It would therefore be important for your son to confess his failure to do this and ask God to forgive him. So 
if this four-year-old boy was ATI, uh, was I was if his family was involved in IBLP, then his parents would have been tr- counseling him in how this was equally his fault if he didn't cry out again uh, a child who was raised would have been raised with like strict discipline and an understanding that what it was all that obedience was was one of the most important things to practice in his life so yeah yeah so um and then, and that that's why I, I looked at all this, and it's really hard to under just think of it as not being set up in the same way children of God, like the 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 which was kind of a child sex trafficking cult, was set up to facilitate abuse like this. Um, so the second reason given was to, uh, is quote to motivate him to dedicate his body to God. Uh, Romans twelve two it says these are all I want to say uh, Bill Gothard's very idiosyncratic uh, interpretations of the Bible and not yeah like, these, these are not standard reads no no on, on so, a lot of these verses no. they're very specific takes. Yeah, so um, it says it explains the importance of every believer presenting his body as a living sacrifice to God. Uh, Once this is done, our body no longer belongs to us. It belongs to God. This concept is important uh, in order to avoid bitterness. Your son is able to then say, that neighbor did not molest my body. He molested God's body and God's judgment is upon him for doing that now. As you said, this was uh, baked into Gothard's teachings. It didn't just appear in the sexual abuse material that they produced. It was, but it certainly dovetails. Yeah, and and I think this is actually a theme that I I I know people. I you know I I have good friends who were abused in in the church. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they were frequently told in in the years following that, when that person was allowed to remain in that church in an unofficial but still present position of respect and and leadership was that that it was very important that they avoid bitterness. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that if, if the person was bitter about that, the victim felt that lingering anger that, you know, well, certainly what was done to you is bad, but mm-hmm. yeah. isn't it just as bad that you're so bitter about it? Yeah. Um, the third, and, and we're just going through this because I do think it is one of the most damning uh, bits of evidence that exists against. It, and also relatively concise. Yeah. Yeah, so the three, the third one, even though I know it is very hard to hear, um, the third one is to give him a moral vaccination against future temptations. Um, quote, God will severely judge the 15-year-old boy for all the evil that he did. However, your son can turn what was meant for evil into good. Uh, the vaccinations we receive 
for various diseases contains a small amount of the actual disease. Our immune system builds up a reaction to it so that if our body is exposed to the disease, it is prepared to fight it off. A similar result can occur in the life of your son if this matter is handled in a scriptural way. Um, It's important to keep in mind that this principle did not extend to, say, rock music. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it wasn't like you can listen to a little bit of White Snake and then that'll inoculate you against like Kiss. (laughs) Oh, he was like preaching against like Christian rock music. Yeah. Amy Grant was evil and yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It's, it's, it's bizarre that it, that that kind of rationale would be applied. So in such an oddly selective fashion. Right. Right. Uh, the fourth one is to transform aroused desires to spiritual power. So this is, this one is just so fucked up um, because it draws on the fact that like sometimes when children are sexually abused, they have like um, sexual experiences they don't understand and aren't able to make sense of because they may feel pleasure and, but they have also been abused. So like, and like a skilled counselor and a trained therapist with expertise in this area would be able to help a child work through this. But this is what, uh, this is what Gothard's material says, quote, When molestation takes place, sexual desires are often awakened. Sexual energy, however, can be transformed into spiritual power, which is where you hear some new thought influence, right? The idea of energies and powers and so into spiritual power as we yield up the members of our body to the Lord on a daily basis. And This is is like the worst and most problematic X-Men origin stories turned into (laughs) theology. Yeah, it's really the worst sexual abuse counseling guidance I've ever seen. Um, Other than what came out of the Children of God, where they were just like, yeah. Which was literally a trafficking and abuse cult. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, So, um, yeah, so it hide God's word in our heart. Scripture refers to sexual drives as coming from our innermost being, and the Apostle John states, quote, out of our his innermost being shall flow uh, rivers of living water. Um, so, so in like in like, uh, so it takes the fact that children who have been abused have sometimes felt pleasure. And it just really, and it's, it's like, well, you can, uh, you can transform that energy into spiritual power, which, which is like the kind of language Norman Vincent Peale used, right? And, and this isn't something that I think we're going to have time to, to go into, Yeah, but it's also a strain of thought that emerged in researching and assembling materials for like the discussion of purity culture, mm-hmm. this idea of like things, you know, any kind of sexual activity before marriage is wrong because it awakens desire before it's time. Mm-hmm. And once you've rung that bell, you can't unring it. And then you've got this lifetime of stuff to contend with. And that is sort of extrapolated back to like, well, that's why it would be wrong to, yeah. abuse a child because you know you've 
awakened that before its time, and then they'll have to grapple with this, which again is such a bizarre and abstractly euphemistic argument mm-hmm. against predation and abuse. Yeah. Um, so this is all so heavy and upsetting. I think we've kind of realized in the middle of doing this episode that that we're going to have to like put the um, the uh, everything that that uh, Jeff has done on purity culture into another episode because there's more that I do think it, we should go through and discuss. Um, yeah. But it feels like a little too much to do in in one all you know. To, to cram all of this into one thing. It's just all very, very heavy. And, and we want to have, and I'm not done um, just saying this as we go. Um, so the fifth one, the fifth one is basically that a child who's been um, sexually abused should be forced to memorize a lot of Bible verses and that will help them handle their. And, and to be fair, that's also another one of those general prescriptions. Yeah. Yeah. For everything, you know, God, every kind of trouble. One of the core character traits is memorizing a hell of a lot of Bible verses. Yeah, yeah. That's how you solve problems. Right. Um, Yeah, it says it's to motivate. So again, remember that the the question that that starts this pamphlet, it's just a pamphlet, was what, uh, why did God allow the four-year-old boy to be abused by a 15-year-old neighbor? And uh, answer number five is to motivate him to write God's word on his heart. So again, by me- the the actual quote is in order to transform this event into spiritual power. Again, taking spiritual power is really a new thought kind of uh, thing. Uh, it's a concept. Um, it's your son must begin to memorize large portions of scripture and meditate on them day and night. As he keeps the law of God before his spiritual eyes, he will fulfill the requirement of John fourteen twenty one. Quote, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them before his eyes, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and manifest myself unto him. That is from a King James, that is from the King James translation, which I think, I think these are King James only people. Um, number six is, um, is a little, is even more upsetting. It's quote, to concentrate on God's hatred of sodomy. So. I, I, listeners can probably just sort of fill in the blanks on that one. Yeah. I don't think I need to read it, but, uh. Basically, you know. Yeah. What, what, what better way could God have to make sure that someone hates gay people than allowing a child to be molested? Yeah, like that. So really, it's good that this molestation happened because now he quote like hope, uh, the idea is that he's going to hate gay people and not be gay himself. So yeah. <sighs> P- plot twist. Yeah. There's no good advice in this pamphlet. No, and it's just really hard to go through. Like it, uh, so. Um, the number seven. To confirm the importance of avoiding... Okay, I, just so you know, there are 10 of them. We're at number seven now. Um, we're like over halfway there. <laughs> to confirm the... For, for everyone who's trying to pace themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's to confirm the importance of avoiding evil companions. Uh, yeah, this is a four-year-old should have done better 
had better discernment and like should have known their babysitter was going to, you know, I mean, (sighs) so it says the book of Proverbs is filled with warnings to avoid evil companions. Be not deceived, evil companions, corrupt good manner. I think it goes into a Bible verse from Proverbs and says, God wants us to have contempt for the wicked as explained in such passages as Psalm 15, in whose eyes a vile person is condemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. So... This dovetails with number eight, which is to learn how to discern evil companions. So, like, when you're molested, this is what it says. You develop a new sensitivity to people with wrong motives. So, when you're four, right? The uh, awareness is for future protection. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of us are used to seeing the concept of victim blaming as something that's, I won't say subtle, but it's like, it's a sort of, it's a, it's like, well, isn't it possible that perhaps, you know, this could have been done or something? It's like, it's like an addendum on top of on top of a, at least an acknowledgement that what was done is horrible and there was no justification for it. Not the starting point for a theology of rationalization. Yeah. Yeah. This is, I mean, this is victim blaming spelled out in one of the, like in the most violent way I have ever seen. And like, Thinking So thinking about these teachings, and this would have been what was given to Josh Duggar and his sisters when they were abused, it is like, I just, I just feel so it, It's a manual for how to blame yeah. victims yeah. of abuse and rationalize it in the context of authoritarian religious belief. Yeah, it really is. Um Number nine is to work out justice and mercy. Quote, it is important that justice be carried out in this situation. This means proper punishment should be administered to the offending neighbor. Again, in the case of Jog Stugger, that was shaving his head and going to do some manual labor. It was not reporting him to any kind of authority. Or or even getting counseling and therapy by anyone qualified to deal with the issue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So it says as a preparation for this, it is vital to make diligent inquiry to with each boy to find out all of the facts, any hidden aspects of this molestation will give the enemy authority and will be used by him in the further defeat of both boys. Once the and, full facts are known and repented of, mercy may be extended. So, so the four-year-old has to be fully interrogated, right? To make sure that there's no sin he brought to this situation right. that could the for those who aren't familiar with it, the the language that was being used about like, um, 
you know, so that the enemy could use it against him. That's a reference to Satan and the idea that later in someone's life, they could make someone feel guilty about something, or they could use it to, you know, Satan could use it, use some hidden sin of theirs to tempt them again or something like that. Thus, it's critically important that everyone lay their every inner thought bare and, you know, every inner guilt they have should be exposed. And that will allow us to be cleansed so that there's no secret hidden things Satan could use to make us feel bad. But in reality, how that plays out Mm -hmm. is every, you know, a a victim being interrogated and the demand made that they bear their soul about anything they might have done to be a part of the, a party of this rather than a victim of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. To ten, ten is. Um, Sorry, I'm. I, I. I don't mean to no, beat a dead horse there. It's, no, it's just hard. It, this has just been hard to look at, and and I am like, like this is just the most. I think like yeah, we've talked about like people who want to stone gay people, but this is like, but that that was crazy, and they never thought that would actually like. This is the most evil thing we have talked about. So in part because like. It was operationalized. Yeah. Like it was, this is not someone just happened to have these terrible ideas. Yeah. This was like a person in a leadership capacity at an organization that was given the responsibility and claimed the responsibility of educating a generation of children Mm -hmm. and adults even in an authoritarian religious culture explicitly laid this stuff out and taught it and in part to facilitate his own access to to abuse children so um so 10 is um to help the parents understand the basis of genius and it says in a study wait uh, hold on wait to help parents understand the basis of genius yeah okay so um so basically, and it says in a study by the Smithsonian Institute, which I didn't look at, but I feel like this is like probably a misunderstanding. They, they, the Smithsonian may not be thrilled about this context no, if they, as a yeah. citation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it says 40 men considered geniuses were studied in order to find common denominators. The three common denominators were one, parents protected them from contact with other children. Two, they were continually around caring adults who taught them what they knew. Three, they were taught to creatively solve problems. Based on this, your son should not have been with the other boy. So he should have been isolated from contact with other children. That's I'm adding that. Uh, but rather with the adults so he could learn from them. So uh, that Because it's not like adults ever abuse children. And also, like, I just going to put this out there this feels like when you've been given the task of writing a 10 point bullet list and you're really really trying to find (laughs) yeah this one this one seems like it was kind of tacked on right and like i'll accept that in a listicle about best episodes of supernatural but if you're (laughs) writing authoritative guidelines for how to deal with child sexual abuse that's Mm -hmm. like it it's my it's yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. 
And even yeah. among people who were not part of ATI, I think mm-hmm. the reason that it's so difficult is that so many of these rationalizations and arguments in more, let's say, diluted forms, in less yeah, in, in less concise and clear forms, these were things that people I know were told. Yeah. Yeah, I would say in in uh, much more tactful forms and in le- like less accusatory way. But yeah, but the underlying framework is not was yeah. still there, yeah. regardless of whether it's delivered in a gentle voice or uh, or a or in a blunt fashion. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, and this isn't the only uh, material that they published on, uh, on sexual abuse. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but there's a worksheet that has made the rounds online called Counseling Sexual Abuse. Um, it's roughly as terrible, just not quite as focused. Yeah, right. It's not as focused. And it's like, why did God let it happen? And it says, result of defrauding by immodest dress, indecent exposure, being out from protection of our parents, being evil with friends. So, so again, like lots of different reasons provided for how to counsel someone, a child, on, on why their abuse was their fault. And I want to say, too, like, there were uh, uh, reports uh, from the, of the women who sued the Gothard organization. Some said that, like, their father had raped. One said her father had raped her and once and actually trafficked her. And she went to Gothard for help. And he that... contacted the father. Yeah. And, um, and also, and, and sort of counseled her that, you know, that, that it was her duty to submit to the abuse and to pray for the abuser because that it it may have happened because she wasn't in proper submission to her authority. Um, so again, that's why I say this almost functions as a, as a sexual abuse organization. And I, I am, uh, so sorry to people who grew up in it. And I, uh, and this wasn't the only case where somebody confessed abuse, like, or I shouldn't say confess, where disclosed abuse to him. And he, and he sort of enabled it and, and counseled them not to contact any authorities, but to stay under their God given authority. And that, that this would sort itself out if they were properly submissive. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, so number, so in the counseling sexual abuse, um, you know, there, this, if, if it's determined that the abused person was not at fault, which is given as an if here, it says that God, uh, God can compensate the abuse with spiritual power. Spiritual power, again, is a new thought concept. It, and it talks about being mighty in spirit with greater faith, spiritual discernment, genuine love, wisdom and understanding, creativity again, energy, enthusiasm, joy, inner peace. So again, like, whoo, thank goodness this person was abused. This, will, and, this is- and also, not to put too fine a point on it, what what's being spelled out there is the ideal of how someone ought to respond to being abused. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And a big theme in his teaching on 
all subjects is to avoid bitterness. Right, right. So the framework that's being presented here is basically saying if you don't turn being abused into uh, an exercise in becoming creative and powerful and 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 joyful. Yeah. Well, that means you're wallowing in bitterness. Right, and that is uh, given as like, so you're gonna you could become bitter because the person who abused you quote quote damaged your body. Uh, and an important step is to dedicate your body to God. So. Again, your body is not your own. You know, if you, um, it says, place yourself on his altar to serve him, to dedicate your body to God and uh, forgive the offender. <laughs> Turn over to God for his discipline or ask God to pardon the offender. And like this, this plays in with a lot of classic abusive dynamics where like the abuser, the fact that they did something very bad is acknowledged, but fundamentally attention you know attention turns almost immediately to how unforgiving or how bitter or how angry the victim is yeah right yeah so i didn't um i had less prepared for this but i didn't really consider that like it takes a lot of process like i had less facts of ready at my disposal but like this it just requires like a little more processing than some of the information yeah sort of spout <clears throat> excuse me allergies uh that i've been uh, spouting off so um yeah this is awful and i know people and new people raised in this like many people and i uh and 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 i just i i uh i feel like adults should not have brought me into this as a child. And I'm so glad that I had other influences and like had enough like normalcy in my life and like to like pull myself out of it when I was like, like later in high school. But I, uh, I mean, it could have gone another way. I could have become a, a true believer and it was attractive to me. Oh, I didn't get this sexual abuse stuff at the, introductory basic seminar but uh yeah it's it's usually not what they lead with no no but like at the same time all of the the principles that are embodied in that advice are the heart of all the other material the heart of what you do get right um yeah yeah, so by the time someone in that movement might need to read this document they've already been hammered with the idea that these core principles and ways of looking at things are how all real problems get solved. solved, Right. Josh Duggar could have been rehabilitated before he got into his thirties and was caught by federal investigators downloading like one of the most violent, I got to say this, like one of the most violent nightmare inducing um, a child sexual abuse materials that exists, uh, which I learned about from the podcast um, Hunting Warhead, uh, which is a CDC podcast that talks about uh the sort of the the network of, of child predators that pro- that produces the um, 
a, a lot of the worst of, of what people get. And, and like, like I, I do want to say like Josh Duggar was downloading stuff that involved the violent torture of, of, of like infants and, and in one uh, by by a man who is now in a in a jail in in a prison in the Philippines, I, th- uh, I think he's from Australia. Um, who who ended up murdering somebody a, a little kid in one of his videos. Um, and um, so, and like, also- this isn't like the trajectory that Josh Duggar was on yeah. when these materials were formed. Part of the the basis for how he was dealt with as a 14 year old yeah, when he abused his siblings, like the trajectory that he was on, it, it took him to a point where this was not like he was being faced with temptation. No. Like this is, yeah. And he doesn't have porn addiction. Like it's, I, I do want to say here, like porn addiction is a highly dubious diagnosis that many mental health professionals do not believe exists. That is used by evangelicals to hide in a lot of cases what is actually going on. Uh, well, and, he is not looking at that, porn, which is legal material produced by consenting adults who are paid for their work, um, or, or who at least consent to its use. Um, it, it, no, he he was looking at child. Uh, we we got to make it clear: child sexual abuse materials that included yeah. torture, um, and like, huh, it's just. Is, yeah. Is it okay? I mean, I'm I'm not sure if there was like an additional sort of capstone on this, but I, I feel like that that distinction, while we're not gonna cover the purity culture material in, in this episode. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna go break ahead. that off into a separate one. Yeah. I, I'd like to at least take a moment to like at least talk about like yes. the, the sort of four key parts that we're going to be discussing as a part of that, because that, that erasure of distinction that you just talked about Mm -hmm. that happens in the evangelical purity culture circles is really important. Like when we talk about purity culture, it's a very broad umbrella, but like four really key ideological components are there. One is like the, deeply patriarchal like gender roles and gender essentialism stuff that we've we've touched on on brief episodes and a lot of that boils down to like you know women tempt men and men are tempted men should be the shield of their family sure. women are the treasure that that kind of stuff yes um the other one is that the autonomy and ownership of self concept right that has been touched on briefly both in the discussion of Rush Dooney's reconstructionism and in Gothard's mm-hmm. um, theology, this idea that, you know, the, a consent based framework of any kind of human activity is fundamentally flawed because none of us rightly own ourselves. God really does. Yeah. We are just taking care of our bodies that are his. Yeah. And, you know, in total isolation, that may seem like a, an odd distinction, but not one with a lot of ripple effects. Mm-hmm. But when you start talking about it in these contexts, it means that there is no real basis for 
one to claim that they were harmed. Right. The real harm that was done by an abuser was an offense against God. Against God, God. yes. And or or an offense against a person's future spouse who is entitled, entitled to, to their marrying birth. someone pure. Yeah. And like so that's that's that concept of autonomy and, and self-ownership is, is another yeah, this is another and, thing that uh that I wanna say um that they that that the the Duggars in particular and certainly that IBLP teach, but um mm-hmm. when um, when it first came out that Josh had accounts on Ashley Madison and had cheated on his wife, Anna, uh, his, his, um, his, his mother, Michelle Duggar, uh, posted on social media that it is a wife's duty to always be joyfully available to her husband. So the idea is there is no such thing as marital rape and that if a husband cheats or strays in any way that, that it, that is the wife's fault for not. Um, or at the very least that that's one of the questions that must initially be on the table. Yes. When figuring out, what happened here? Yeah. So the fact, so the the fact that she she posted this right after it came out, right, was mm-hmm. was seen as very cruel to to Anna. Um, and- I hope that Anna gets out and rescues her children from this evil organization, because uh, she's pregnant with her seventh child. Um, <laughs> and, and and to be clear, I mean. I I feel like I'm I'm often the one that bangs this drum, but like I want to be clear that these perspectives are not are in no way universally shared no. amongst like Christian believers, no. even Christian fundamentalists. But yeah, the underlying ideological underpinnings that combine to provide a support framework for this kind of abusive way of mm-hmm. looking at these situations. Yeah. Those underlying foundational pieces like the patriarchal gender essentialism, the denial of of autonomy and self-ownership and agency, the the idea of purity as a totalizing framework that goes from, you know, the feelings that you feel mm-hmm. to the actions that you do to who you are, you know, that whole spectrum being collapsed into just pure or impure rather than a- any other any other different ways one could address it. Like and then finally this capstone of like behaving in this pure way is how you do war against a sinful and temptation-filled world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like all of those things put together, those are building blocks for something so tremendously, right? Just incredibly damaging. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to yeah, give a little bit of an update. Like some of this stuff is a lot of this stuff is like on in celebrity reporting and and some comes up in gossip stuff but like having followed the Duggars for several years now a lot of what is first reported in the gossip columns and ends up coming out as true so we know now because they have um 
they have have talked about it publicly. Uh, one of Josh's victims, his sister Jill, uh, and her husband Derek Dillard have sep- have um, are estranged from the family now. Um, they have not been in the parents' home for a couple of years. Uh, and it has, it started with, um, it started with a dispute over like basically Jim Bob and Michelle Duggar, the parents had, um, like lied to the children and told them that they were doing the show for free as a ministry. But in reality, only, only Jim Bob was getting paid for the show. (laughs) So that seems yeah. Shady and also sad and penal. Yeah, so uh, so it started with a legal dispute in which Jill and Derek Dillard started to uh, to to try to recover some of the their earnings for the show, and and has as like she has since distanced herself to, from the family enough to talk about using birth control, which is huge. This is this is a qu- that we didn't get into the quiverful <laughs> stuff as much here, but the idea is that you're supposed to have as many children as God allows. Uh, so you're supposed to be constantly pregnant um, and never use any kind of birth control or participate in any family planning because your body, but uh, your body belongs to God, and so it's your duty to produce as many. Christians as possible for the culture wars. So she has, is there, they're doing family planning. They have two children have talked about how they don't have immediate plans to have more. And it's kind of cool that to see some people actually distancing themselves. Like if you ever watched the show back when it was popular, um, Jill never seemed, she didn't seem like the one that was going to break out. She, she was pretty, like, obedient. She was all, she pra- practically raised a lot of her siblings. And it's um so good for her for, like, I hope she continues to, to deconstruct. I just felt like we needed to end on, like, a less yeah. bleak uh, note. And, um, we'll take all of the less bleak notes we can here. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and ginger, like, it still seems like they're conservatives and like, they still have some deconstruction to go, but like considering the way she was raised, the fact that she would not have been given any real, like, uh, support or counseling when she was a victim of child sexual abuse. Like it's pretty cool to see somebody break out and like um, Ginger Duggar and her husband, Jeremy Vuolo. Um, there's also some talk that they're, they've, they, they've moved to the West coast uh, to get away from like in part. To get that den of liberalism, the West coast. What? That den of liberalism, the West Coast. <laughs> yeah, I think they moved to L.A. Uh, and he's going to like a conservative seminary. But like, like, so, so apparently right after this broke about Josh and the child pornography, the Michelle and Jim Bob Duggar reached out to the, the children and told them all not to comment. So the fact that any of them came out and commented at all 
And the ginger said that she hoped no matter what happened, that the you know that you know that that the um, authorities would um, would get to the bottom of it, and and that justice would would uh, occur. Like that's a, all a pretty big split from the parents, so who still have tried to maintain a lot of control in the children's lives. So yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I've rooted for the children, like especially the girls in that environment for a long time. And I, um, it's really bleak to look at and, and so sad and, and shame on TLC for making this look like, like a pure and wholesome and fun thing when it's, when it's a racist um, fertility cult uh, that facilitates the sexual abuse of children, and it's well. That doesn't sound like a fun prairie cosplay. <laughs> um, so, like, so I don't know. It, it is good to that to see that some have been able to break free. I think partly because if something is as oppressive as this, like you just can't. You, j- it just becomes impossible to sustain it in you know for yep. for your life. So. Good for the ones well, who are getting out. I hope they keep deconstructing and, and uh, yeah. And uh, next episode, I didn't anticipate it being the, uh, the lighter, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the lighter version of the, uh, of the circle, but we're going to be looking at the more, the, the much more mainstream side of yeah. purity culture and like, Everything from Christian masculinity movements, you know, in the in the nineties and stuff like that, to like the dating and courtship stuff, and the broader purity culture movement, and how it's intersected both with popular culture and and in, you know, in in some cases, really sad, deeply abusive, situ- you know, scenarios yeah. like this. But we're going to be looking at sort of the the broader context that some folks may find more directly familiar that they may have encountered, you know, more directly, but until then yeah we should say let's not end quite yet uh eti is still going strong they have retained all of the same teachings that bill gothard um that he used but they're they're uh, technically under different leadership um and kids are still being brought up in this ideology and to those who have gotten out uh i i just i'm so happy for you and i'm so sorry that these were the tools that you were given to to cope with life this is so unjust and wrong and um uh and so i just want to say congratulations on on getting out that's a it's amazing that you that you did so that's all, I guess. So, well, on that note, uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah.